Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome into this issue 34 of DC Primetime, and I'd like to begin by saying, we care about you, you jack wagons. <laughs> uh, from the showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from Captain Crew, I am Rob Martin. And we're kind of suffering from a uh, hollow hangover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> today. Uh, but we're still in good spirits, and we're still bringing you uh, our regular podcast, so... Uh, we're here, and we're going to get down to it. Uh, let's start off, of course, with... Oh, I want to say for, right off the bat, from the beginning, um, Rob and I were talking about this already just before we started recording. Schedule-wise, we're still going to have podcasts for the next three weeks, but the scheduling might be off just slightly. It might be tweaked a little bit. Uh, as next Sunday, Rob and I are both participating in Extra Life Game Day, which runs from Friday at midnight to... Or Saturday at midnight to Sunday at midnight, which means we're going to need a lot of rest on Sunday. Uh, yeah, that's twenty. That's twenty four hours nonstop for us, and uh, it, this takes many, many months to plan. And this is one of our favorite things in the world to do. This has been second year, my fourth, and uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is a huge thing for us to do. Um, so yeah, by the end of that event. We are mentally changed. Uh, that's <laughs> well, the best it, way I can put it. In essence, it's, I mean, it's a 24-hour gaming marathon, but in essence, our days usually go for 28 to 30 hours. Minimum, yeah. Because there's a lot of setup involved and, and everything, and then cleaning up afterwards, and sometimes the gaming doesn't end at the 24th hour. As you pointed out to me last year, you went till like, 3 a.m. on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Last and year. And then, in addition to that, we'll, we'll, this will all be happening in my home. Uh, so there's almost 20 of us doing this. So there will be quite a few of us all in one spot under one roof getting to do all this stuff together. Yeah. Uh, but after 24 hours and not everybody is local. So there's a lot of people staying here. So Sunday when we wake up and we're functioning again, there's a lot of people that are just kind of coming to. And uh, so we have no idea when recording works, but. At the, at, the late, at the yeah. latest on Monday, uh, Monday, Monday night. night will be at uh, at the latest. If there's an opportunity for us to get the podcast recorded and up before that, we will. Uh, but at the latest, Monday night is when um, is when it'll be up. The following week, I'm actually out of town. I'm actually out of town for the following two weeks after that. But uh, as long as the hotels have internet access, uh, we will be getting the the podcast recorded and posted as usual. So. Uh, but just in case, they might be posted a day or two late uh, those weeks as well. So uh, stay tuned. We'll play it by ear, and we'll let you know as we're going over the course of the next three weeks. Yeah, but there'll be episodes. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're not going to skip out on it because these shows are too good to not talk about. So, uh, But let's get started with uh, our DC bullet points where we give each of the five shows our one of three rating, sidekick, hero, or legend. Uh, starting off first with Gotham Season 3, Episode 6. Rob, what would you give this episode? I actually am going to say legend on this one this week. 
Uh, I think it was actually one of the best episodes. I really like the fact that they're really doing a good job of focusing deep on one story at a time. They're taking less time to bounce all over the place, and I think that's uh, really helping the show. Yeah, so. I, I agree with you as well. I gave this one a legend uh, as well. Uh, Super Season 2, Episode 3, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Uh, I'm going to go legend on this one again. Uh, agreed. Uh, I'm I'm not legend across the board this time, but I'm pretty damn close. This uh, yeah, I'm, I'm close on that one, too. Uh, the Flash, Season 3, Episode 4, Sidekick Hero or Legend? I go Jack Wagon. <laughs> it's our new rating system for The Flash. Yes. Can Jack I tell Wagon. you, that was, I we'll get to it in a little bit, but I, oh my god, I loved that moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, the show. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, a Legend again on Flash this week. Agreed. Legend. Uh, Arrow season three, or season three, uh, season five, episode four. Sidekick Hero or Legend? Uh, I'm going to go Hero on this one. Okay. I think we're pretty much the same across the board then for us because I'm going Hero with this one as well. And then, of course, we have Legends of Tomorrow season two, episode two. Um, Sidekick Hero or Legend? Uh, hmm. I'm going to uh, say Legend. Or see, episode I, I, 3, I'm sorry, not episode yeah. 2. I'm going to say Legend on this week. Okay, yeah, I was as well. So, uh, all right, let's get into the Secret Origins portion where we talk about and break down the episodes. Uh, starting off first with Gotham Season 3, Episode 6, Mad City, Follow the White Rabbit, in which Rob and I both gave this one a legend this week. Mad Hatter sets his eyes on his next victims, forcing Jim Gordon to make some tough decisions. Meanwhile, Penguin and Nigma's relationship evolves, and a familiar face comes back into Nigma's life. Uh, I did not read the synopsis of this episode before I watched it. Um, I, I tend not to because I like to have the mystery of the episode. So the whole thing at the very end, which we'll get to, I did not see coming at all. Yeah, it was uh, that was kind of a surprise. Yeah. Uh, but let's start from the beginning. Obviously, we open up this episode with the Mad Hatter's return. Uh, well, we saw him last week, too. We saw him at the very end. But uh, we see him come back. And I have to start off by saying you and I talked about this a little bit last night. Um Benedict Samuel, who plays uh, Jervis Tetch, man, he does such a phenomenal job in this role. Oh, yeah, he's wonderful. Um, and one of the things i got to say, too, is I'm really, really, really happy with the fact that they just didn't treat him as kind of a two-episode arc done. He seems like he's going to be our primary focus for the first half of this season. Yeah. Um, which I'm actually really okay with. I like the fact that they're finding ways to kind of tweak the uh the way that they're running the show like every season they seem like they try new things for either half season kind of arcs and uh we expected to get something where this was the very villain of the week uh again this season and they really went in opposite direction and they're building up somebody in a very big way and it's working it's really really working well yeah, and I, I loved all the... I mean, obviously, with the Mad Hatter, you know it's a reference to Alice in Wonderland. Al, Mad Hatter's sister, obviously, is Alice. Uh, so, and we got a ton more of those Alice in Wonderland references this episode, even down to on the telescope being called Through the Looking Glass, uh, which I, I love the references. And this makes me... I, I, this is something else I told you last night, too. This was my dumb moment of the episode, I'm seeing all these references. You know, we got the Tweedles back this week. We had Through the Looking Glass. We have the Tea Party. We had a bunch of these different Alice in Wonderland references. And the man in white, like that all in white that looks like an albino and such. For the first half of the episode, I'm racking my brain 
who is this guy? Like, what is his reference to Alice in Wonderland? I don't get it. And then it clicked. You dumb idiot. Like, the name of the episode <laughs> is Follow the White Rabbit. He's the freaking white rabbit. Like, wh- why did it take me that long to pick up on that reference? Well, I think actually one of the things that's kind of fun about this, too, is when the season first started shooting and people saw this, everybody said that, that was going to be the proto-Solomon Grundy. And we're like, nope, happens to be the white rabbit. And I'm like, good. I'm like, because uh, if that was going to be Solomon Grundy, I would have been sad. But it also uh, yeah, really too. frees us back up into that idea that one of two people in the show is going to become Grundy. That's going to be Butch or that's going to be Barnes. And I, and think I we're, we're getting more and more locked to that that idea at this point. Yeah. And I think it's I think you and I are still pretty much on point as to who we initially think it's going to be. Uh, it's going to tie into this storyline, obviously, because it's it's Alice's. If we're correct, it's Alice's blood that is creating Solomon Grundy. Right. So, uh, meaning we both we both still pretty much believe that it's Barnes that's becoming Solomon Grundy, and we got more clues to that this week as well. Uh, in that now he's he's very obviously walking again. He's not hiding that anymore. He just tells Harvey, you know, I, I don't need my cane anymore. Yeah. Um, and and then we get a scene where he's interrogating, you know, a, a henchman and his grip on the chair just creases it with his fingers. I mean, so he's obviously healing. He's able to walk again. He's obviously increasing strength and he's obviously growing more and more agitated. Like his aggression is growing. Uh, And these are all characteristics of Solomon Grandi. So I think it's leading more and more for us to believe more and more that it is, it is Barnes that's going to become Solomon Grandi for this. Right. And I'm, like I said, I'm really happy they're going this direction. I think it was the right call on the show um barnes has been a fun character in the background of season two uh he's i haven't seen a ton of him yet so far this season but i think we're going to see a lot more of him very very soon yeah exactly uh i want to switch back to obviously the whole jervis tetch uh things with the mad hatter and everything we got a lot coming out of this uh this episode but i want to say um you touched base on this a little bit earlier on. I, th- I think this was something else we talked about last night. One of the things I'm really starting to enjoy uh, and notice about this show is the fact that there there are multiple storylines going on. Obviously, we have Bruce and Alfred. We have the Sirens Bar, you know, with um, with Aaron Richards' character and Tabitha and and Barbara. We have penguin and oswald and we have now everything with jim gordon and mad hatter going on and these storylines do overlap from time to time but what i'm really enjoying about the show is the fact that while they they switch the focus every episode to one of these main stories and they're still giving us tastes of the other ones like they're not letting the other ones go completely by the wayside for the episode right they're they're keeping everything fresh in our mind by giving us a little taste. Like obviously, the you know Jim visited the Sirens Bar again and talked to Barbara, which was another great Barbara Keen moment. Uh, you know when Jim tosses the bottle and she's like, "Well, that was unnecessary." <laughs> I love the fact that they keep doing that, but I really do hope that. I mean, it seems like it's almost becoming a trope in the show now. Of Jim needs help, go to the Sirens Bar. I mean, it's yeah. this every episode now. Um, I do hope because we are starting to see these big shifts where this was a very big Gordon episode this time. Like last week, we had a lot of Penguin. Um, I'm really hoping we get to that Barbara episode soon because it seems like they're giving everybody a episode to shine so far in the front half of the season. So I I hope that's coming before uh, the mid-season finale. 
I think it's I think we're going to get it, but I think it's going to be a couple episodes off. And the main reason I think about that is or I think this is because the last time I spoke to Drew, which was back um beginning of October when I saw him at at Walker Stalker, he actually had his shoulder surgery. So he was kind of written off for about four or five episodes and he was just getting ready to go back to filming. I think once he returned and I think that was what it was was when he left not this past episode but the week before. I think that was his final shot shooting episode before he went in for his surgery. So I think when he returns, we're going to see a shift of focus to a joint storyline with him and Tabitha and Barbara because obviously they're re- it looks like they're rekindling Tabitha and Butch. Right. So I think when he returns, we're probably going to get that shift of focus to the Sirens Bar and to Drew or and to Butch and to Tabitha and to Barbara. At least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I think that's my assumption right now at this time too. I, I think that makes the most sense for how they get Barbara into the mix, where they can still have her be the over the top character, and the focus is on Butch and Tabitha, and she's the one in the background just causing chaos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I'm fine with. I mean, it's, it, like you said, I think I I just hope it doesn't become she's just strictly background for the first half of the season, and we. Because I, I do. I want to see an episode that takes place almost entirely in the Sirens Bar. You know, with Barbara and Tabitha. Good old classic bottle episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I will say, going back to the Jervis Tetch and, and Jim Gordon one, man, that tea party scene at the end, um, that was probably one of the t- most tense moments from this show that I've experienced. Myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people actually say this episode is the closest in tone to Matt Gray Dawn, which is the one that we, I think, gave the highest props to when we did the annual for season two, uh, when we see Bruce deal with uh, Matches Malone. Um, yeah. I think this was Gordon's moment of that. I mean, there was a, those small tests throughout the entire uh, the, the episode where he had to choose who will live, who will die kind of thing. Uh, obviously leading to this big moment between it's Valerie Vale and Lee being held hostage by Jervis. And uh, you just look at that situation and you're like, well, Jim's boned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a theory about this, though. And this was something that was brought up, and I said I was going to save it for this because we didn't want to talk about everything when we were hanging out last night. So there was some stuff saved. Uh, obviously, the way that scene played out, uh, if you haven't seen the episode already, spoiler alert, you shouldn't be listening to us yet. Um, but we, um, you know, obviously, Jarvis Mad Hatter takes, make, forces Jim to choose which one uh, he loves more meaning that Mad Hatter is going to kill the other one. And when Jim doesn't decide, he says, okay, which one do you want? I'll make this simple. Which one do you want me to kill? Uh, And he chooses Lee. And Jervis actually turns around and shoots Valerie Vale and shoots her in the gut. I have a theory. And I want to see if you agree with this. Do you think he intentionally chose Lee knowing he would shoot, he would go against what he chose? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty certain. I think the big reason is to it makes good show tension. It's kind of like, oh, he he wants Lee to die, but I think it's really he didn't want to. I think it's also Jim trying to look past everything that's happened in the past. Like he he can't look into uh, Lee at this point and say, "I'm still massively in love with you. You're engaged to somebody. I'm not trying to make your life hell." Um, and I think if he said, "I love, I'm in love with Lee." Um, he knew what that would do to her. So I think this was him just 
trying to go the opposite direction, knowing that Jervis is going to do probably the opposite of what he says, making Lee safe. But he's able to now put distance between him and Lee because he's trying to do this to kind of protect her. Um, So, yeah, I think we're on the very, very much the stage with that. Yeah. I I also partly think, too, that one of the main reasons why he might have chosen Lee, knowing that Matt Hatter would go against it and shoot uh, I was going to call her Vicky, but she hasn't been called Vicky yet. It's still Valerie. Um, is because Lee's a doctor. I mean, if if he knows that Jarvis, Jarvis is going to go against what he says, he picks Lee. He shoots Valerie instead. You now have Lee who's able to help uh, Vicky Vale. Right. Exactly. Victoria yeah. Vale. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. And ultimately, too. Who here really, really, really likes Valerie? She's just <laughs> such an empty character. <laughs> Um, and I'm actually kind of sad that he just he didn't put the bullet through her head because oh man we have to deal with her more. Um, Would have just ended her right then and there. Yeah, but I mean you know whatever. I mean just hasn't brought anything interesting to the show so far. Uh, no, she, I mean she's, she's she's sleeping with Jim for information. That's pretty much what it's right. come down to so far. She's a very two faced kind of character. Um, not, and like I said, you know, so I, I'm really not. I really don't care her fate. Um, but I think it was a good way to keep tension going between Jim and Lee, though. So it was a nice way that I think they found a way to make that kind of messed up. Yeah. Uh, before we switch gears and go into the next show, obviously I want to switch and talk a little bit about the oswald Nigma relationship. Um, for those of you that don't know, Robin Lord Taylor, who plays the character of Oswald Cobblepot, is gay in real life. Um, and it looks like they were kind of going a little real-life trope with this uh, and almost making it like, cause it's very obvious now he is admitted. He is in love. Oswald is in love with Nigma. Um, so it looks like it's a little bit of a character twist and they're making Oswald homosexual, which I, you know what? Personally, I don't have a problem with it at all. I think it makes good storytelling. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of shaking the villa, which is one of the things this show does incredibly well is they shake the Batman mythos up so well that no character feels safe in Gotham. Yeah. Uh, as much as what we like to believe that are like, well, this character has to be around because of this and this and this in the future, this show, everything feels so off the table and they can do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah, I mean, there's there's literally out of the many characters in the show there, you can count on one hand, maybe how many of them we know for sure are safe. Uh, you know, Bruce, obviously, Alfred, Jim Gordon, me, Oswald Enigma, who even knows what those two at some point, um, you know, later on down the road. But those are really the only ones we know of that are completely safe in this universe. So, um, I, I do say though, I, I enjoyed the storyline with, with Oswald and Enigma, obviously this, this, um, this episode, there's one, if I have one complaint about this episode is that they use that storyline and they fell into a big trope, um, that I kind of, I'm over, I don't hate it, but I'm over it. There's a scene at the end where Oswald is preparing dinner for Nigma. <laughs> yeah, I know and exactly where you're going. He's practicing the speech to the empty chair. We all know it's an empty chair. You don't have to try and film it to make it like, oh, is he really talking to Nigma? You know what? Turn it on its head, surprise us, actually have Nigma there. Yeah. Like he's actually giving the speech. The whole practicing speech to the empty chair trope, I, I'm over it. I, it it's not a mystery to me anymore. Yeah, no, I think everybody saw that scene coming. But one thing that we didn't see coming is the way that this episode actually ends. Yes. Or one of the one of the last moments, which is uh, Nigma out and about. Um, and he's going to pick up a bottle of wine. And uh, 
in that moment, we see a blonde woman who looks just like Miss Kringle uh, starting to talk to Ed. Isabella. uh, Yeah, Isabella. And she's talking to him in riddles and all this and like, oh, holy shit, didn't see this twist coming. But at the same time, I think the bigger twist is more than likely it's a figment of Ed's imagination at this point. Uh, that's my Ooh. guess at this point in time. Because oh, I didn't think about that. He is still, you got to look at it, kind of batshit crazy. And one of the things that him and Penguin have constantly deliberating is, oh, no, we're completely sane. We have paperwork from the state saying it. I've got um, a certificate. Yep. He's like, everything's fine. Um, Penguin is sane. He's just psychotic. <laughs> yeah. Ed, not so much. Ed actually is very mentally damaged. Um and I think we're going to see that play out where that will probably drive the big wedge between them and actually start a big rivalry, probably in the back half of uh, this season. And uh, I, I think that's exactly what we're going to see happen sooner or later. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that this could be a figment of his imagination. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, anything else from this episode that we uh, we have not brought up that we should talk about? Uh, I think those are the big those are the big heavy hitters. I, I think there's a lot of little st- small stuff. I mean, like I said, you see a little bit of Bullock this episode. We get, you know, nothing about Butch. We just hear, you know, oh, he's on the run still. That's that. Um, but, yeah, and uh, no Bruce, Alfred this episode. Uh, nothing new with Ivy. So, yeah, it was pretty uh, – it was a pretty focused story. Okay. Uh, I will say to wrap this up to one – another thing I noticed about this episode that it, it's kind of personal. Not personal, but it's – something I personally noticed is the more and more I see it, the more and more I fall in love with the GCPD set. I I think just the way it's designed with the architecture and everything involved with it. I just think it's a beautiful set. Oh yeah. I I mean, I I just love seeing scenes in GCPD. Oh yeah. I mean, the show. I will say this since we got to this season, I mean that that's, it's been around since the beginning of the show, but more and more and more, we're seeing them expand out, but that one still kind of stands out. It has such a great iconic look to it uh, yeah. that's so unique, uh, but also kind of look, looks a little shitty and run down at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a kind of a character in and of itself. Yeah, if if we ever make enough connections with that show that we get we're granted an on set visit, uh, that's the that's pretty much the only set I want to visit. Well, I mind seeing the sirens bar too. I was going to say, honestly, out of all these shows, I want to be in Star Labs more than anything else. But. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that's that's in Toronto. That's in Vancouver. Gotham's in New York. It's a lot easier for us to access. <laughs> it's right up the turnpike. We can get there. Uh, all right. Let's talk Supergirl. Okay. Uh, Supergirl Season 2, Episode 3, titled Welcome to Earth. Uh, Supergirl and the DEO are assigned to protect the president when an attack on her causes alien versus human rights in National City to heat up. Alex investigates this with Maggie Sawyer, while Kara fears Mon-El may be responsible. Uh, so right there in the description in the synopsis of the episode is one huge thing that happened this week uh, in that we finally get to meet Maggie Sawyer. And uh, like other characters from other shows, obviously, we're seeing it with I think we're seeing a little bit of a hint with it with uh, with Barbara Keene in Gotham. We're definitely seeing it with Sarah Lance. Uh, We're seeing another homosexual character. We're seeing a lesbian character in Maggie Sawyer, not just not just lesbian, but cross species lesbian. Yeah, (laughs) they're Um, really mixing it up on the show. Um, Yeah. 
But one of the things I love, and like I think uh, I forget somebody out there. I, I I can't remember Ben if it actually may have been you that were talking about this, thinking that there could be something blooming between Alex and Win. Well, this episode, I'm pretty pretty dead certain that we know exactly where the Maggie Sawyer, uh, you know, storyline is most likely going to lead towards Alex. I, I was thinking that this week so, too. I, I was watching those scenes, and I'm like, I might have been wrong about Alex and Win. So, but yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But let's jump back to the beginning of the episode. Obviously, we see it starts right off with Monel waking up, not only waking up, but escaping the DEO headquarters uh, or branch of DEO wherever they're at, and just loose in the city, and which leads to uh, a wonderful moment with the president of the United States visiting. Played by Wonder Woman herself, Linda Carter. Yeah, I mean, such a great casting. Um, and I'm so happy that they brought her in. I mean, she still looks, you know, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you know, obviously her age is definitely showing, I mean, nowadays. But um, what an awesome pick for the president. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, we see that when the president arrives in the city, she is attacked as she is coming off the plane by what looks like laser vision. And which leads Kara to believe, as is in the synopsis, that Monel is the one responsible for attacking, uh, for attacking the president. But she does save the president, uh, which leads to a wonderful, uh, which leads to the president being taken to the DEO and uh, a wonderful Wonder Woman nod, which I'm sure our listeners, as well as you, Rob, picked up on. Um, I don't know if it came later or if it came in that scene, but Kara says, you know, I can't believe I saw Air Force One. It's like, oh, you should see my other plane. You, I, should, you, know. see, you should see my <laughs> other jet. I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, there was one other nod to Wonder Woman. I'm wondering if you picked up. Uh, it's very obvious uh, if you take it that way. But later on in the episode, Kara catches fire. She does the Wonder Woman spin. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a, a wonderful nod to, to Wonder Woman as well. Um but let's talk a little bit about – I don't know. Where do you want to go with this one? Because there, there are two – to me, there are two different stories that happen in this. There's obviously uh, everything that happened with Monel, uh, Wonder Woman, and Scorcher, uh, who does turn out to be the actual one that responsible for the attack. And we get a little bit more with Kara and Snapper Carr and Jimmy Olsen this week. Uh, which one do you want to focus on first? Well, let's, let's get the uh, stuff with uh... – Catco out of the way because I, okay. I think that's the smallest story out of all of them. There's another one that's actually even a shorter story, but I think it's got the biggest punch, uh, which is the stuff that we get to see with uh, John this week. So, oh yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, we definitely see um, Snapper kind of trying to lead the reins, really much undermine uh, James, you know, in the office as far as him taking over for Cat Grant. Um, and uh, really, really pissing James off in the process of doing it. Yeah. Um, but we, we see James kind of in this new role uh, grow, kind of grow his backbone on this. I mean, like, we haven't seen him really at the forefront like this before. He's always kind of been a background character that's just really just been there reacting. So it's going to be fun to see him actually being an active part of uh, the show, but in a very different way. So. Yeah, and I will say, too, that I very much enjoyed seeing him, as you said, grow his bone and stand up to Snapper and, you know, like, this is the way things are going to be because I'm your boss. You listen to me, but you stay out of my way. I'll stay out of yours. And this is our constant agreement. 
I like seeing this character. I like seeing this version of James. And I like seeing him heading up Catco. But what confuses me about this is I we also know that sometime in over the next couple weeks, we're going to see James become Guardian. I don't know how these two points are going to meet. Yeah, I'm not I quite sure. I can't figure and this out. It's not that far away from now, too. Uh, one of the things that, you know, we'll just get really take this off the news for this week. But uh, we do know his... Uh, first appearance as Guardian is going to happen in episode six. So it's not far off, but uh, I am kind of surprised that they spent that much focus time on the inner office kind of turmoil when we know we're going to be going in such a massive different direction with James in just a couple episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, like I couldn't uh, watching that scene where he's growing the backbone. I'm like, I, I like this version of James, but I don't know how they're going to get to this point in just three episodes. Well, I think it's it, it, this is an, uh, this is kind of showing us that this is a guy that can stand stand for his convictions. So, it's the makings of a hero, uh, but in simplistic ways, like a character that you know believes in himself by the end of this episode. So, when he does make this big transition, it doesn't seem like it's coming out of left field. If we didn't get this big kind of character shift for him, even if it was something small like this, when he does suit up, we're like, well, that's kind of odd. Why we, would he we, be doing we wouldn't, this? We wouldn't believe it as much if we didn't right. see this personality come do we think lucy might come back to be responsible for james becoming guardian i i'm not quite sure i mean lucy still is in the background uh somewhere we haven't you know really even heard her mentioned yet um and she's not the only character max lord is still very um you know missing in action so far this season as well so i'm kind of wondering where all this is going to go i don't know if this is anything because of the shift to vancouver where certain characters are and actors are not back but uh, yeah, I'm very, very curious to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, I don't know yet if I'm crazy the idea of James becoming uh, Guardian, uh, but I, I'm, I've everything they have done so far with this show, I have no reason not to trust them. Yeah, I mean, so, I think I want to see them do it, and actually, I they uh, they need to prove it to me, but I think they'll be able to do it. I have not had any issue with anything they've done so far this season. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and wait to see how it's going to play out and happen. Uh, so I'm not being like some internet haters and like, oh, I'm I'm going to hate this right now, even though I don't know what the hell it's about and I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing both of us agreed on so far was the handling of the relationship breakup between James and Kara has only been the only really shaky thing that's happened so far in the show since season two has begun. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, all right, so switching gears back to, um, you know, the whole storyline with the president returning and uh, Monel awake and loose. They it, it does turn out that Kara does capture Monel. They do find out how he is thanks to Win uh, and the technology at the DEO. They do find out where he is, and we find out that he is a Daxamite. He is not Kryptonian, which comic book readers already knew this about Monel. But the, the viewers who don't read the comic books did not know this. He is actually from an adjacent planet to Krypton uh, called Daxum, which in return was also kind of destroyed due to everything that happened at Krypton. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things, I think the only thing here that maybe a little, uh, they, they kind of just said, he's like, oh, my name is Monel. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of a shame that they didn't give him his name. Um, I don't know if anybody out there that knows his character well, but uh, he got that name specifically because he arrived on Earth on a Monday. And, um, you know, they just kind of looked after him. And you're like, well, we'll give you the L name, you know, uh, that Cal-L, you know, all that that style. So it was a nice combination between arriving on a Monday and uh, 
them giving them that idea of, you know, the House of L. Yeah. I mean, th- this is the first episode of this season that we do not have Superman. Obviously, we had Superman in the first two episodes, but we're kind of we're switching out one character for another superpowered character. Uh, Superman has left to go back to Metropolis, but now we have somebody with similar abilities in Monel, who's kind of going to take up the mantle. At least what I'm assuming is, is going to take up the mantle of the role that Superman played with Kara. Um, and if nothing else, this could even become a new relationship since her and James have fizzled out. Uh, you know, this could be something new for, for Kara and for Supergirl. Yeah, I think that would be a really good way to play this off. Um, this was smart. You, you know, uh, you bring up the idea that Superman's not there. Uh, but you know what? It didn't feel like there was this vacuum left by him this episode, which was, I think, the one thing I, a lot of people were probably really concerned about was, uh, was this going to feel like now that we had a taste of Superman and he was somebody that we all loved so much. Um, but everything felt fine. Everything felt great still. Um, there was nothing to worry about with the show not having that character present. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a quick note I know about the first meeting of Alex and Maggie Sawyer. Uh, it's one of the only notes I wrote down, one of the few notes I wrote down for Supergirl. But I wrote down, and I know you'll get this nod. I don't know if anybody else will get this nod. But apparently the DEO has psychic paper. <laughs> <laughs> when she changes the badge to look like the Secret Service so that Maggie believes she's with the Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit of a technology that changed the face of the badge. That's psychic paper. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's Doctor a little bit of Doctor Who coming in, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, I had a note, too, that said the woman in the bar who boiled her drink, but we actually found out who that was a little bit later on in uh, in Scorcher. Uh, I think that uh, I think that's her name, right, Scorcher? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that we find out that kind of threw me, I didn't expect it at all, is we find out with all these, uh, you know, human and alien relations, because the president is there pretty much to sign uh, into accord a uh, alien, what's the... Um, that's kind of like an amnesty clause. That's uh, amnesty. That was the word I was looking for, uh, you know, in which they can come out into the open and they're granted the same rights as, as human beings in the United States. But it turns out by the end, the president is an alien. It yeah, did- and... Uh- I know a lot of rumblings right now are a lot of people believe that the president actually isn't the alien. It's somebody is not who they say they are so far. <laughs> and uh, we a lot of people right now, and I, I think I kind of share this as well. This is Cadmus most likely has the president and uh, they have somebody in there posing as the president of the United States at this point. OK, didn't think about that either. <laughs> Cadmus was completely in the back of my mind this episode, so I didn't even think about that at all. Uh, and that would make more sense than my theory. Well, I mean, it could make sense that the president is actually an alien as well. But, um, yeah, but I think your theory makes a little bit more sense. So but, apparently uh, my brain was not acting very well. It's... I watched all five of these episodes back to back, by the way. <laughs> so... Uh, they kind of blended together by the end. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like this, this felt like a very long week, and I'm like, oh my god, do I even remember what happened days ago? And I'm like, I'm not quite sure, but no. Um, yeah, I mean, and honestly, like I said, you know, we do get to see, like I said, a, a lot of uh, biased though too that's happening in this episode. It's it's people having issues with aliens living above, like you know, you know, among them. Um, but in addition to this, we see that play out with Kara and Monel uh, with. The general hatred between Daxamites and Kryptonians. Yes. So I, they did a nice job here playing this back and forth with each other. Um, and I think that worked out. And it played off 
the exact way it needed to without kind of feeling ham-fisted at the same time. So, yeah, I think this this worked out wonderfully. Uh, but because of this, though, we got a little bit more Alina Luther uh, when Kara's given her first assignment to kind of do a little quick piece about, you know, Lena's, what she's doing uh, and her response to, uh, you know, the president giving all aliens amnesty on Earth. Um, so the idea of her corporation making a little device that we get to see uh, uh, kind of play out in a very fun, humorous way that basically put your finger on a plate and it says if you're human or not, um, which I think it was this quick little moment of Kara zapping it when she was worried that she was going to be found out very quickly. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like I said, we got to see this uh, see this character show up where you're seeing that very traditional Luther sensibility starting to show up in Lena now. So I think our, our original discussions and thought process as far as what type of character is she going to be? We're starting to see her true colors, I believe. Yeah. Do we so. still not believe that that uh, Lena Luther's on the up and up? Uh, she's still not on the up and up. She's a Luther. I mean, yeah. come on now. Uh, I mean, like, even in Smallville, even Tess, um, who was Luther's kind of, like, stepsister, turned out uh, was kind of evil, had evil intentions in the beginning. She turned out to be straight on the straight and narrow by the end, but... Uh, even a stepsister of a Luther still had some evil tendencies from time to time. Um, fine, I guess to wrap this up, we can talk about the final moments of the episode in which you just kind of referenced to a short time ago with John uh, and Martian Manhunter. And he visits the uh, the bar that I'm I'm calling Dollywood. <laughs> uh, because the password to get in was Dollywood, and every time we go to the bar, there's nothing but Dolly Parton music playing in the background. Apparently, off-worlders like love Dolly Parton, <laughs> which is I thought a kind of a cute date, like little like nods. I don't know, like um, I wouldn't even say nod, but I, it, it was just a way to be kind of like quirky in and of itself. But yeah. it, it was amusing; it, it gave you a chuckle. Yeah, it was. Uh, but at the end of the episode, we see after everything happens and the president leaves and. John is sort of on board now, and or at least is a little bit more understanding as to what this Amnesty Act will bring, and that not all aliens and off-worlders are evil. You know, some of them are just trying to get by and live their lives. Uh, he goes to visit Dollywood, and uh, the barter behind the bar is kind of startled by him uh, in seeing somebody that she sort of recognizes, and it forces her to leave the bar in which John follows, and we get the introduction of Miss Martian. I was yeah. I was leaving it to you, and yeah, <laughs> it's kind yeah, of, like I said, it's kind of the buildup. <laughs> yeah, like I said, so we get Miss Martian, so we get to see uh, McGann Ors. McGann Ors, yep. It was fantastic to get to see them. So not just Monel being a big part of this, and we do now find out a little bit more about Daxon, but we now get to see the last daughter of Mars. So yes. yeah, I think this was a nice little quick moment that we saw play out. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of uh, the bar. I think that's going to be another new location. It seems like every show has added at least a new room, uh, like Legends with a Library and, you know, the uh, the Speed Lab over and in the uh, Flash. Flash. Yeah. Now we have the bar sequence, uh, new, the new bar location and the new DEO headquarters over at, uh, at Supergirl. So, yeah. So, but all in all, I think it was a, a, a very good episode. I was a little worried because, as you know, we talked about a little bit before with the absence of Superman, I was kind of worried it was going to drop off a little bit. But I think it still held uh, just as much entertainment as it did with Superman without it this week. Yeah, it played out great. And like I said, I think we're, we've definitely not seen the end of Maggie Sawyer. I think she's going to become a very big part of this show. 
Uh, and actually, you know, like I said, I really liked the interaction between her and Alex. It was it was a decent amount of fun. Um, and I love the fact that they brought in a character like Maggie Sawyer, uh, somebody that has had heavy ties to Kate Kane Batwoman for so long, um, kind of making their self shown here. And it kind of makes me sad that they don't have the license to, you know, the Batman mythos because Alex would make such an awesome Batwoman. <laughs> so it's a shame. But uh, but yeah. It, this is working out really great. I'm really looking forward to seeing where that's going to go. Really can't wait to see what the dynamic between Monel and Kara is going to be. And um, yeah, now you have you know Miss Martian in the mix as well. And is she going to be a part of the DEO or not? So it's yeah. a big wait and see. And for a lot of people who were worried that this move to you know to Vancouver for Supergirl with a lower budget than CBS had, uh, that it was going to lower you know the quality of the show, uh, it has been the total opposite. I mean, the story has stepped up. The we've gotten introductions to so many new characters that we know with the you know including Superman coming over, Monel, Miss Martian, Maggie Sawyer. Uh, we're getting to see more of John Jones as Martian Manhunter, and now we're getting a second Martian at the same time. So this move has been nothing but the best for this show. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I can't wait to see where they're going to go. Um, again, now we know Guardian in three more episodes from now. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot to still happen. Uh, we still don't know who our quote-unquote big bad is yet going to be this season aside from Cadmus. Uh, I would assume we're going to get something a little bit more aside from just that. But, uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how this yeah. is going to and, and the same way that we talked about before, that, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, where the particle accelerator explosion on the Flash uh, opened up the door to how many different uh, metahumans could be out there. This bar, uh, you know, showing that there are so many other off-worlders on Earth other than just from Krypton, from Krypton or from... Um, Oh my God, the Phantom Zone. There are so many other off-worlders out there. Opens up the door to the possibility of different villains that we could see uh, over the course of this season. So it's another great move putting in the bar uh, that does that as well. Oh yeah, it's it's the aliens among us that you just didn't think about in season one. So yes. So uh, all right, cool. So all right, Jack Wagons. Let's move mm-hmm. on to the Flash. Season 3, Episode 4, titled The New Rogues. Uh, Mirror Master joins his old partner, Top, and looks to even the score with Snart. Jesse joins the chase, but her decision to defy one of Barry's orders results in terrible consequences. Uh, Right off the start with this, we got something I didn't realize we had never gotten before. Uh, And that is, we now know where... The uh, where Snart was at the time of the particle accelerator explosion. Yeah, which was this is something new to us, and like that show opened up, and I I don't know if if it even said three years ago in the beginning of the episode. It did. It It did. did. Okay, I did. I did miss that quick moment, but uh, yeah. So we see uh, you know, uh, Snart as well as Sam Scudder, and I can't remember the name that they switched it to for this, but uh, or who will ultimately become it was uh, Rosalind Dillon. Rosalind. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we see them all playing out as they uh, are finishing a job, and apparently they're big spenders at this point, where Snart easily wants them to kind of lay low, causing some easy, heavy tensions between the gang to quickly escalate uh, at the time of the accelerator ex- going up. So uh, we see Sam Scudder trapped inside the Mirror Universe, uh, the top getting pretty much knocked unconscious and then we jump forward to present day so yeah so it was um 
it was very enjoyable seeing Snart again. It wasn't the form that I thought we were going to get. I no, we not at all. I, I thought this was his real. That was, I think, the only thing that when this episode played out, I'm like, wait a second. I was really, really pumped because we were getting Snart back this episode, and I wanted to know how they're going to do it and why they're going to do it. Well, something you just, you just don't think about sometimes. But yeah. It was interesting. It was interesting, to say the least. And looking into it a little bit more, we're actually not going to see Leonard Snart again until next year, which kind of sucks. Meaning 2017. So the the back half of these shows. Uh, is well, next not, time we're... not true. You got to think about it. We'll, we'll see him in 2016 because we'll see him in Legends. Because um, that show, I think, is getting a straight run from start to finish. Yeah, so. but I'm but I'm looking at the list of episodes now for at least on his IMDb, and they don't have him listed until episode Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. In Legends. So, because uh, the last episode before that is Legendary, which was the season finale of Legends. Okay. So I think it's still going to be a little ways off before we're going to see him again, and they don't have him listed as any other episodes of The Flash after this one, The New Rogues. So I'm hoping I'm wrong. It's just another one of those things where IMDb's not listing it because they don't want to give it away. Um, but we'll see. So, But yeah, I, again, I the same way, I was a little disappointed in that as well as I thought this was going to be our, uh, you know, the time that we were going to see Leonard Snart return in some form or fashion uh, to join, you know, the, the, leg- the League of Doom. Um, so I, I was a little disappointed by that, but it was it was still great seeing him in this episode seeing Wentworth Miller so and I think he's I think one of the main reasons why they're holding off on him and this is just logistical is because he's filming the prison break reboot right now yeah so they kind of have to keep him he his schedule's kind of busy right now but once that wraps hopefully they're going to start filming more and more of his things with uh with these shows Mm -hmm. so uh but we obviously we jump back to the present day and we see um mirror master has become who he is now in jumping at the mirror that he was released from my only question about this is it's three years later the mirror is lifted up and he's allowed to escape but if he can come and go out of any any mirror why did it take three years for him to come out Maybe you could just view it as kind of being lost in the mirrorverse, not quite understanding his powers, and then that moment it just happens to kind of tie together. Uh, let's just call it um, BS writing. <laughs> maybe he just maybe it had to be the initial mirror that he was trapped in that maybe he had it was. to get out of, and then then now he has the abilities to go in all of them. I don't know. So, um, but yeah, so we see. Um, Sam Scudder returned to this world three years later. He now has these abilities, and his his main objective is Snart. He wants to take out Snart for turning on him, and uh, he decides to recruit uh, Rosalind to come back in, who is locked up in Iron Heights because she now has these abilities to in to pretty much vertigo on anyone uh, with just the I guess the flip of her eye mm-hmm. or the blink of her eye. She can force vertigo on anyone for this but i do Uh, love the idea they kind of went like a bonnie and clyde route with the two of these guys i think it was a nice new take on these characters where they got to play with it just a little bit yeah because i think some people were a little disappointed in the fact and neither one of us fall into this but there were some people that were kind of disappointed and commenting on the fact that they made the top a female uh this time around because top is a character in the comic books uh, but I was okay with it the way it worked out because, like you said, there was a, a great Bonnie and Clyde element to it that the two of them worked together. And 
I was perfectly okay with this. Yeah, I think it actually was, like I said, it was something new that the show was doing. And uh, and even I do love the idea, too, that they bring up, and I know people were upset that Mirror Master was a meta in this, but I love that even Wells brings up on back on our Earth, uh, yeah, there's another person by the, that goes by Mirror Master who is, I couldn't remember the character's name offhand, but is actually somebody else that was Mirror Master in the future, uh, that was, you know, the legacy of this character down the road. Where uh, the second Mirror Master that was out there, and they even brought up that he uses a gun, so it was that classic idea set. So yeah, the only thing that the other thing that disappointed me about this, and it's just nitpicking because it wasn't enough for me to take this down to a hero from a legend, uh, is the fact that I thought we were we because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I thought we were going to get more out of this character. I didn't see this character as being a one and done episode of this uh, of this series. I don't think he's gonna. They're going to be. I think we're gonna get a lot more of them down the road. It did come off a little bit more villain of the week than I expected. Yeah. Um. But I think we'll see these guys come back. You think there might still be a potential team up between Mirror Master and Alchemy? Yeah, I think there's a high chance of that. Um. I mean, this was something that we didn't expect as much. I think we were both thinking most of the season and everybody they were gonna deal with was from the Flashpoint universe. So it was kind of cool to see them actually be like, well, there was the Accelerator stuff too. So. We're going to bring yeah. that back into the fold and back into the mix. Um, but it's I think it's just kind of setting up that the classic rogues that we think of maybe all came out of the uh, the particle accelerator, not part of the Flashpoint universe. Yeah. So. Uh, on the same note as, you know, obviously with the Flash facing off against Mirror Master Top, we do get to see one thing this week, and that is we get to see Jesse fully suited up in the fray with Barry, which I have to say, first off, I love her outfit. I love her uniform. I love the the white circle with the black flash through it. Uh, I think she is a fantastic character. I was really bummed that she ended up going back to her Earth at the end. I don't obviously. I don't think this is the end we're going to see of Jesse Quick. Uh, we're going to see many, many. We're going to see her many more times throughout the season, as I hope at least. Um, but. Is it just me, or do we think this is going to be something we're going to see a lot of cosplay of down the road? I think we're going to see a lot of this, and I think they did a great job on the suit. Um, I think there was some uh, really good stuff out there from um, all different alternate versions of the suit, where I think there was a couple cooler designs we saw in the uh, concept designs for the cow, um, that they have one that is the wraparound that still has the, the side lightning bolts kind of poking out through the hair, which I think looked a bit cooler, but... Uh, I think the version we still saw here did look really fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we did see in the synopsis, too, that, you know, she does run into a little bit of trouble in that she goes one-on-one with the top, and the top, I keep saying the top, and it's just top, um, you know, hits her, you know, whammies her with the vertigo. She ends up falling off the building, and luckily Barry is there to save her. Otherwise, that would have been the end of Jesse Quick already. Uh, that would have been pretty, um, pretty quick. For her, no pun intended on that one either. Didn't even realize I said it after I said. But we do see something that I kind of had a sense was coming uh, down the road, even last season, is that we see a little bit of a budding relationship between uh, between Jesse and Wally. Yeah. Um, you know, this is something that they kind of hinted at last season, and I was I was very happy to see that it, it did finally come about. Although. I there's so many different things going on. Obviously, we have Barry and us. We have, um, you know, now we have a budding relationship between Joe and the DA that's there. 
I kind of part of me almost kind of wishes that the scene where you know where Jesse kisses Wally and Wally and they agree to just be friends. Part of me almost kind of wishes it stayed that. Because I would have the whole budding relationship between two characters is great, but it's used so many times that it would have been a difference to just have them stay remain like best friends. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I think it's I think it's fine, but I think this is gives us a little bit more of a reason now to make sure that they do come back into the mix and back into the fold. Um, you know, I think viewing them as just friends, uh, by the way that they kind of end up leaving for Earth 2 at the end of the episode, um, you do very much kind of see there's now a lot more reason for her to be back sooner than, hey, we have to deal with our own world right now, and that's that, and we'll see you guys when we see you. But now you can see maybe just even just Jesse coming back uh, and leaving um, Harry behind every once in a while. Well, good reason that she could leave Harry behind now is that we have another Harry in the mix. <laughs> no, uh, no, we don't have another Harry. There's only one Harry, as they just said. That's true. Uh, but uh, we do have HR into the mix now. Which, which is I, a hipster Wells, as I call hip, them. Hipster Wells. Um, but I do love the idea that as they left, I'm like, wow, it's just not going to be the same without you. Kind of like mimicking what everybody else feels about the show is Kavanaugh is such a big part of the show. Yes. Uh, and not having him there and not having his presence there um, would be odd. But it was one of those things I didn't expect. He's like, well, there's different Harrison Wells out there. Let's go find you one. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're doing a Harrison a quest for a new Harrison Wells. <laughs> and I'm like, this is fantastic. What a great side story. This was, I think, my favorite side story that this show has ever done. Well, not, um, only, not only that, but leading up to before we even see HR, the interactions between Cisco and Harry this episode were so on point. They were so great. I think this is the I, I think this is some of the best that I've seen them together because uh, they've always had such great interactions throughout the, the course of this show. And it, like they were so on point this episode. Like, you know, we've been using the I care about you too, you jack wagon line a lot this podcast. But it's such a great line from the two of them, you know, because Cisco insults Harry and Harry turns around and says that line with a big smile on his face. That right. That is what kind of that one line, that two that two line interaction that right there is their relationship. It, it is. sums and it all up right there. It was that moment. And I think honestly, too, of him kind of coming in, sniping and taking the name Mirror Master, <laughs> physically <laughs> pissing off Cisco to no end. It's a guy of like, ha, top, see, I can do it too. Stay out of my court. But when, when, <laughs> when Wells turns around and says, you know, when Cisco's like, oh, we can call him incoming, and Wells is like, Mirror Master, and Cisco's like, what the, f like, dude, <laughs> it's so great. Like, I just love the interaction between these two characters. And I said it last week, it still reigns true. It's reigned true since the beginning. Tom Cavanaugh, a.k.a. Harrison Wells, is my favorite character on this show. And I love the fact that they're bringing in yet another version. This will be, what, the fourth or fifth version of this character <laughs> yeah, he has played in this show. Uh, but he plays them brilliantly. It's probably like the seventh or eighth, if you think, think about the other failed Wellses that they listen to messages from, <laughs> including the mime and uh, the, the <laughs> British one. Um but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going to go. It, it, it's, it described it right in the show. The show would not be the same without Harrison Wells. Yeah. 
but I love the fact that we got really heavily into the multiverse in this episode at the same time. Um, it was, a, you know, like, it's funny if you don't really think about it because you're just more, like, you know, giddy and just laughing at all the alternate versions of Harrison that they're looking at that solved this riddle that they sent out into the multiverse. And uh, quite fantastic. But then you're like, holy shit, they're really looking at the multiverse a lot right now. And uh, the Harrison that we get is the one from Earth-19. So this is just the possibilities of the show just feel like they're endless. Absolutely endless. But there's kind of a part of me that's like, you know what? I love every season going forward. It's always a different Wells. Yes. (laughs) And we can just have this collection. And then at one point in time, it's just Tom Cavanaugh in an episode playing off of himself for the the entirety of the episode. Seeing like six different versions of Wells in one scene. I would would watch that. That would be amazing. I would absolutely adore it. <laughs> I would watch that so much and love every second of it. Um, I know there was another quick line that came off, obviously, because Barry was the one responsible for uh, training Jesse a little bit more, or at least keeping Jesse in check. And at the beginning of the episode, before they're heading off into battle, Barry giving her this whole spiel, and he stops dead in his track, and he's like, I've become Oliver. <laughs> yeah, that was another great line, too, this week, man. <laughs> it was another great line this week. Um you know, it was so, that it, it was that moment that we got last season where they actually have their their one of their first bigger team ups, um, or actually no crap that's two seasons back now isn't it yeah um, but yeah it's the same exact thing of casing out your environment it was almost line for line lifted from that crossover uh-huh. so so which which was really 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 uh, one other thing I know of that I made a note of and there might be a couple other things we were neglecting to talk about but. Uh, it's it's very important to the continuing story of this is we see more of Caitlyn's abilities come out. Not only that, but they're not. It's not like they're coming out. It's she pretty much knows how to control them. She knows how to use them now. Uh, yeah. And which, um, you know, Barry is trapped in the mirror, and the only way they can release him is that they have to get this mirror to a certain temperature and cold. The device that Wells and Cisco come up with are doing the job. So while everybody leaves the room. Caitlin hits it with her frost abilities and gets it to that temperature. Uh, and so, I mean, we now know she knows how to use her abilities. Yeah, but not just that, though, too. When that moment does happen and Barry does break free, um, Harry very much looks at Cisco and is like, it wasn't us. It was something else. And that's the big question. He's like, well, I'm leaving. Who had who here would have had that ability? So I love the fact that Harry was already onto something massively up. So we're going to see Cisco probably really pouring a lot of his time into this. So I think we're going to see this play out very quickly in the next episode because we do know we're going to see a lot of Caitlin in the next episode. Yeah. So. And, and I mean, it's again, it goes to show like the last two episodes, like how brilliant Harrison Wells really is. You know, last episode he knew right away that Barry messed with the timeline uh, just because there's a new room that none of them had even known about. This time around, he knows that somebody, and he's almost hinting that it's Caitlyn, uh, you know, because who would have these abilities to be able, who would be able to have the ability to do this? Uh, so he's almost hinting that it's Caitlyn without coming right out and saying that it's Caitlyn. Right, because you have to remember, his Caitlyn on his Earth was Killer Frost, so... This is uh this plays into things very very interestingly, and I'm really excited to see how this dynamic shakeup is going to happen now. Because next episode, think about it, we now have Caitlyn. That's really her powers are very going to very much be out there by the time the next episode hits. We also have a new hair uh, like a new Harrison now in the mix. 
So next week is going to be this massive shakeup, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah. Well, not only that, but the way the episode ends with Caitlin in the shower and the abilities pretty much coming right to the forefront. She's got the white streak in her hair now. Her lips are blue. She is becoming Frost. Yeah. The question I have is if it's going to be Frost or Killer Frost, because she could technically just go by Frost. He does have the, you know, the way, the you know, the mental capability to kind of keep things in check and not turn villainous right so you know she could just go by frost and and be done with it not be not be a villain this time around so yeah, yeah I, I mean i i do think though honestly like i think it was the prediction i said last episode was uh she's gonna accidentally kill her mother i really think that's gonna happen i really do at this point um i feel like they may make her flip for just a small hand, like just for the episode uh maybe two but we're going to see her have to come to terms with a lot really fast, but I love how much they're shaking the dynamics this season. Yeah, so it's... Um, and the title of next week's episode, too, is Monster. Yeah. So it, there's a good, very strong chance, as you had mentioned, too, that that's, that's pretty much what... It's going to be a very Caitlin-centric episode next week. And we have to remember, episode 7, Kevin Smith, uh, that's titled Killer Frost. So... Um, lots of lots unpacked there. Yeah, I, mean, I forgot about a that. A lot, too. a lot coming at us. Yeah. So and they're they're really wasting no time with shaking the core of the show up, and they're doing it in such a great, fun way. Um, as we started the season in a very, very dark place, this show has gotten back to Flash, but has also done so many new things. But there was so much iconic stuff to look at in this episode. Um, I mean, it was seeing Barry deal with Mirror Master. That was so much fun to watch. Seeing him dart down this hallway and shatter all these mirrors. It was such a great, iconic flash moment to see on screen. Yeah, agreed. Uh, anything else in this episode that we are forgetting before we move on? Uh, it needs to be Tuesday now. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, it. Agreed. It needs to be Tuesday, and then the day after that needs to be Tuesday again. Yeah, but I, I, but I, will, I will say, for us being four episodes in, this is already shaping up to, I think, be my favorite season of Flash yet. So, Yep, I can definitely see that. Uh, moving on then to Arrow season five, episode four, titled Penance. Uh, Oliver and Lila team up on a mission for Diggle. Uh, Felicity finds out and disapproves of the plan and opts to stay behind. When Tobias Church launches a deadly assault against the city, Felicity must decide if she wants to send the recruits out sans the green arrow. Uh, one thing I noticed this episode, this is the first time at least that I can, that I know of, this is the first time we're getting reference of Artemis. This is the first time we're hearing her called by her name. Yeah, well, it's not this that, but it's also the first time Mr. Terrific is uh, is named as well. You may actually call him Mr. Terrific on their call signs. So not yeah, not just Artemis this time around. So everybody now is named as far as the team is concerned. Maybe I might I might have missed that maybe because of the fact that there were mentions of Mr. Terrific last week, but they were referencing a, like a, a professional wrestler. So maybe mm-hmm. that didn't stick out in my mind as because as, I it's not my first time I'm hearing on the show the the words Mister Terrific, uh, but yeah, first time we're ever hearing called Curtis being called Mister Terrific, uh, but first time we're hearing you know Evelyn Sharp being called Artemis, which I, I pretty much pointed I pretty much picked up on right away from the episode. I was like, wait a minute, uh, that's the first time we're hearing that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, the scene starts off with the team yet again in turmoil as they're trying to work together to take out uh, or at least stop a robbery in progress. Uh, Renee yet again, 
against the group, taking matters into his own hands uh, to try and stop the robbery of something from Cord Industries. Yeah, Cord Industries coming back in next. So, which uh, very yeah. happy to see that. Yes, I was too. A nice little reference to uh, to Ted Cord and the Blue Beetle. So, I don't think that means we're going to get any Blue Beetle or anything anytime soon. I think it's just a reference they keep throwing in. Yeah, I think that's yeah. It's one of those things that they're just going to keep doing. Done it since the beginning because uh, I think we we've even brought it up too. Uh, Ray was never supposed to be, uh, you know, Ray. <laughs> it was always supposed to be Ted Cord. But I think with everything uh, with them trying to work on the Booster Gold franchise and get that movie moving forward, uh, that took that off the table pretty quick. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what are some other things about this episode? Obviously, we get to see a lot. We get to see the the breakout of Diggle out of the military prison. We get to see the team working without Arrow. We get to see, uh, you know, a number of different things. So I'm gonna. I'm going to switch gears. I'm actually going to turn it over to you a little bit because I've been talking a lot about these okay. episodes. Fair enough. Um, um, I think, honestly, some of the stuff that's going on here, and we do give this a hero, uh, we're, we're seeing constant retread. And I think that's one of the reasons I think we probably both ticked this down was the idea that I'm like, look, Renee's not following orders yet again. And we're only a couple of episodes into the season, but that's just constantly happening. And I'm like, he's not growing as a character. They feel like they don't know quite what to do with him. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's just me, but, man, this team seems so incapable of doing anything. I don't know um, how they get anything done. Yeah, that's one of the questions I'm asking myself. I do think that Curtis has been a lot of fun to watch. But, I mean, like, the guy doesn't feel like he should be on the street. Every time he's in even the smallest of scrap, he's getting the shit kicked out of him, like, constantly. I mean, they you know, the costume looked a lot better this week around, too. I don't know if you thought as well. I think uh, they... Them deciding to go with the cornrows this week for him suited up looked a lot better. I think than when we saw him the first time. Yes, and uh, with and, his hair pulled back, it doesn't. It didn't look as odd. And um, on yeah, and on that note too, I think our our listener Shad actually uh, mentioned that on the Facebook page too. I think that was one of my because I I remember saying last week I didn't know if I liked the costume and I thought it was the mask. And then you said, you know, the mask is pretty traditional to what it is in the comic books. I think that was my issue last week. I didn't like the hair. The yeah, hair like he, seemed odd. Yeah, well, it was it was last week we saw him basically his hair pulled back in a kind of a ponytail and it looked weird. It, it generally looked weird. But I think they got got it down on how they want the character to look. And he looked great. Like he really looked fantastic this time around. Yeah, because um, I didn't have nearly as many issues with the costume this week as I did last week. But yeah, no, the biggest thing here, hands down, was that, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think what is holding the show back just a little bit, and I still think they're doing a decent job. Uh, I mean, still a hero means it's still worth watching. Um, but yeah, there is just nothing about this team right now that feels like they serve a purpose. Uh, they seem like they are, if anything, a headache for Oliver to deal with uh, time and time again. Um, I mean, even when they were kind of like, oh, you know, we don't agree with what Ollie's going to do with Lila and break out of jail. Uh, this is not a smart move. And they're like, well, we're going to stand up to him and maybe they're going to he'll listen and everything's going to be fine. And nope, just Oliver just kicks the shit out of all of them and like, get out of my way. And that's what it was. Yeah. Um, there just didn't feel like there was really any forward momentum on anybody this week, with the exception of the Felicity and Rory story that we got. And that was it. Uh, we didn't even see much with Quentin or Thea. They were just in the background. Uh, Adrian uh, Adrian Chase still is a character that's in the background, but I still don't know why I should care about him at all. He kind of just seems more or less kind of like a jackass. 
uh, so far. Uh, I, he doesn't seem very interesting. I'm, I hope that they can turn that on its head soon because I think they're going to need to. Well, especially because of the change that his character is going to be making soon. Right. I mean, because we know very soon we're going to be seeing him suit up as vigilante. So that's not far off. I think that's only supposed to be like three episodes away. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I mean, Christ, actually, I think, yeah, that that happens um, is the same week that Jimmy will be rocking his suit. So we'll get two new characters in in costume that week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, I where we, I think, should have been the most interested this week in the storyline was uh, the breakout of John. But even that was kind of felt a little lackluster. Um, I think, oddly enough, what was the most enjoyable stuff this week was some of the flashback stuff, which I I'm, I feel weird even saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, when you said that, I was like, what? Um, no, but you know what? I partially agree with you on that, too, because the flashbacks, I know a lot of people have had complaints, and we're, you know, we're the same way. We've had complaints about flashbacks in past seasons, and I, I know a couple people who've, en- who've enjoyed flashbacks, even from the beginning. They, they've never had a problem with the flashbacks, and this season, they're, you know, they're the same. They're actually highly enjoying the flashbacks, and I have to, I have to admit, I kind of am, too. I'm not... I don't hate the flashbacks this season as much as I have before. I can, I, I can more than tolerate them this season. Like I'm actually enjoying seeing what is coming out of the whole Bratva storyline. Yeah, it's actually been good, and I think it's a big part too. Is uh, Oliver and um, oh my god, Anatoly uh, have have really nice chemistry on screen together. Uh, so it's fun watching them act opposite of each other. It, it brings something different to the show that it doesn't have normally. And I think that's working very well. I think everything we've seen in the past, uh, when the flashbacks did work, it was because it was Oliver and, you know, Slate dealing with each other. When, you know, that stuff fix, it makes it fun to watch. And you really don't care as much about what's happening. But this episode, we should have been so excited, Mike, that Diggle was in the forefront. And he just didn't even feel like Diggle at all in this episode. Um, I mean, what we got of him last week, I was like, oh, this is a really nice change of pace. I love the fact of how they're handling this and him kind of like his inner demons on this one. But uh, it was it felt so odd this week. Everything about it was odd, but it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imaginations. It just felt out of place. Yeah, I think um, I think what what changes things with the flashbacks with me, too, is the fact that, you know, the past couple seasons, when people have really disliked the flashbacks, they've been kind of lackluster, they've been kind of boring, and they've been predictable. This season, with everything, with the Broadfoot and everything, like, I never know where they're going with this next. The the flashbacks are very unpredictable, which I think this is one of the reasons why I'm actually enjoying them this season. Uh, yeah. You know, with that. But also, you know, switching back to Adrian Chase... Uh, I think one very strong point to this episode that needs to be made is the fact that when the when the team forms together and they go in to help rescue Quentin and Adrian and the other police officers that are in you know the evidence lockup of the uh, of the the station or whatever portion of the station they were in, uh, and they actually work together to get these things done. I think this is actually the character change in Adrian that we're going to see. Because yeah, he was he was always of the impression that the vigilantes do not need to be doing this, let the law take care of things. But he gets that first hands-on experience that, okay, vigilantes can actually help this city. And I think that's kind of the boost and character change that he's going to need to become vigilante. So I'm hoping next week's episode, whatever we see of Adrian Chase, it, we're going to see that kind of switch flip. And he's going to become a little bit different character-wise. At least that's what I'm hoping. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I, I got to walk something back a little bit uh, where I said I think the new team is incapable of getting anything done, uh, with the exception of Ragman, who just seems incredibly overpowered uh, af- after everybody that's there. Um, like, he is just their constant ace in the hole. Um, but I, I, I am really enjoying Rory Reagan, though, so far. And I think some of the best stuff that came out of this episode was his interactions with Felicity. I yeah. think that was actually done incredibly well. But one thing we learned about Ragman this episode that I thought was kind of cool to the mythos for Arrow is uh, he's not the first Ragman. Uh, his grandfather and his father were him, you know. So I thought that was kind of cool when he's l- trying to live up to what his father was. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I, again, I, I agree with you, too, that I think one of the strongest points of this episode was everything between Felicity and Rory. And that was something that did eventually need to happen. I'm glad that... You know, because last week we got Felicity telling Rory about how she was responsible for everything. This is something that they were eventually going to have to face in order for this team to be for the, in order for this for there to be cohesion between this team. And I'm glad to just kind of walk or run past it or, you know, glance over it and just kind of be like, oh, they just happen to work together. Well, there's this tension. But, you know, I'm glad like it came down to Rory quitting the team. Yeah, uh, but know, I also love that they didn't drag it on, though, too. Like, they could have handled that so poorly, but it worked. It worked, and they didn't feel like they were giving us unnecessary attention for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, as far as character changes go, too, I mean, you, we had mentioned earlier on in this discussion about um, about Renee and how he kind of just goes off on his own and doesn't do anything. I think now with the way this episode has ended, because obviously we see Tobias Church has now has Renee. He's torturing him. We don't know what he's torturing him for. I'm assuming eventually it's going to be the identity of the Green Arrow. Yeah, more than likely. That's exactly where this is going to go. Um, we got a little bit of Tobias Church, but it, we, we're not seeing anything very special about him quite yet. Um, nothing, at least in comparison to uh, his first appearance this season. Um, this definitely felt like he was just kind of just a straight-up thug. Um, so I'm going to see a little bit more of him. I hope in the next coming weeks we see... Uh, we see a lot more, you know, character uh, uh, evolution with him so far. I think that's the one thing that still needs to happen because we've only gotten one glimpse at Prometheus so far, if not two. Um, we've gotten, yeah, we've gotten two. Yeah, we've gotten two quick moments with him, but uh, they really need to start building up church. I think uh, they need to not waste any more time. They need to dive into this because we know Prometheus is probably going to be the real huge big bad that we're dealing with. But that uh, they really need to build church up, though, uh, at this point in time. And I, I think they can't waste any more time that next week. They really have to dive into it. Yeah, because, he, like you said, he, he's kind of been just so far at just a big thug. And for a big thug such as Tobias Church to be able to run this underbelly that he does and, and organize everything the way that he does, he might be brute strength, but there's an element of brilliance to him. And mm-hmm. we've we've kind of yet to see that. Yeah, I mean, like, if you think about it, like, when, the last time we got it, like, the thug-esque kind of character, uh, that was Brick. And Brick was very charismatic, played by Vinnie Jones, and we're not seeing a lot from Chad Coleman quite yet. And, uh, I hope that that's not untapped at some point, uh, and they make sure that they get good use of a really good actor. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I think that's... What else are we forgetting for this episode? I feel like there's something else there, and I can't remember what it is. Well, I guess the really the last big thing is obviously they do free uh, free Diggle from the mix, and uh, in the process of all this, uh, him and Lila are now hiding out in Hive. 
So, or the old Hive HQ. So, yeah, and you know, the breakout thing to me was kind of a little bit lackluster. It was fun to watch, um, but the whole it, it's it's right out of Batman Begins. Uh, oh yeah, it was it the was whole plane whole... swooping mm-hmm. down, and you know. It, to me, the biggest issue with that is, okay, you're in a military plane that Lila is piloting. First off, how how did – what the hell was the timeline of that? Yeah, that seemed a little weird too. Uh, I'm like, oh, was she in the plane the entire time that she's been talking to him? Because it didn't feel like it at all. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and it was just kind of like, boom, no, she's just coming in and saving uh, you know, saving her husband in the last second. You know, because if you had 25 minutes to get in there and get to the extraction point, uh, she had to have already been in the plane. Yeah, you know, but the scenes that we've seen her, she looks like she's in some comm center. So I, I didn't understand that. I thought that yeah, was, was a little sloppy. It was a little disjointed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, other than that, it was it was fun to watch the whole breakout thing and and everything and everything play out. So again, hero, not a legend. Some things that have, could have been better this episode, but still fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the final show of the week, namely Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 3, titled Shogun, which is appropriate. Uh, Nate and Ray accidentally land in feudal Japan after Nate discovers uh, he has powers. Sarah convinces Vixen that Rory is not a murderer, so they all agree to help Nate master his powers and defend the Japanese village from the Shogun and his army of samurai warriors. Uh, in the meantime, Max and Stein find a secret compartment on the ship when they stay behind to fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. Where to begin with this one? Um, All right. Let's 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 go right into the secret compartment. Okay. okay. Compartment 36. Because there's something there that was fantastic. Um, and uh, I apologize really quick, too. If we have a little blip in audio in a second, my lights are flickering a little bit. So I don't know if I'm about to lose power. That very well may be the case. So we'll try <laughs> to get through this quickly. All right. Um, so... When Jackson Stein do indeed find the apartment, they see a message on a terminal, uh, which this room seems to be kind of like an armory that Rip has tucked away and not told the team about. But uh, obviously, there's some other hidden things here. This specifically being a message from Barry Allen from the year 2056. Um, when I saw that date, I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Please do what I think you're going to do this season, which would be amazing. But we do hear part of a message that is heard by Jackson Stein of Barry uh, that he leaves a quick message for counter uh, and very specifically to make sure the rest of the team is unaware of something. Uh, We don't quite know what that means at this point in time, Um, uh, but we definitely know this is something that Stein and Jax are very shaken by um, and not quite sure what they're going to do with this knowledge. And we know it will play off probably fairly soon because the show doesn't have a ton of episodes. We only know 13 episodes to deal with here. But uh, in the mix of this, the reason I was so giddy is 2056 means something to Ash fans. That specifically being the year that Bart Allen comes from, uh, who does become Impulse, uh, you know, Kid Flash, or ultimately the Flash at a point. So kind of making me wonder now, because we have Reverse Flash in the mix is Bart Allen going to be in the mix this season somewhere? I think that would be awesome if that happens. Uh, take a speedster dealing with another speedster. I mean, that could be a really cool way to handle this and uh, very unexpected. And I'm kind of hoping that's where they're going to go with this. <laughs> because think about it. We we do know Connor Hawk is going to be in the mix uh, again sometime this season. How cool would it be to see the people carrying on the legacies of both the Flash and Arrow 
working alongside the legends this season. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really, really awesome. I mean, it was already great when we saw Connor. Um, you know, but hopefully if there's another episode down the line where they're going into the future and we get to see Bart, you know, as the Flash, man, I'd be psyched to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, could you imagine, it? like I said, it's the legacy characters, both Flash and Arrow on the show together and maybe being major characters next season. That would be incredibly exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm looking through now, and there's at least four episodes at the end of this season that are not named yet. So it could very well happen that we could see this. So maybe and, it does yeah, suck. Very much, yeah, very much my hope, though. I really kind of hope that that's where they're going to go. But this also could be a build-up to Crisis. Um, maybe that's what we're going to see kind of play into things a little bit now. So it's a wait and see. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's jump into the the main storyline of this. Uh, beating being obviously the very beginning of this episode, we see Vixen, who I'm glad they explained this to, um, because they're already in a time jump, so they're already traveling, and all of a sudden Vixen comes out of nowhere and starts jumping everybody and knocking everybody out, and I was like, okay. Uh, how did this happen if they're traveling through time? So I'm glad that a little bit later on in that episode, they, there's a scene with Katie Lotz, you know, with Sarah and Vixen, where she says, you stowed on the ship before we left, you know, before we left your time, before we left 1942. I'm glad they said that because yeah, and that makes not it obvious. Wa- yeah, and they're not wasting any time at all saying that her reason now to be with the Legends is to help the legends track down the killer of our man. So I think this is going to be interesting. I was wondering if we were going to get a lot more JSA. Like I said, we thought we were going to see maybe more skirmishes this week. We know obviously the JSA aren't out of the mix. They will be continuing to appear. We know there's a lot more that has to happen with them, but I think it's fun. Now you get fixing to start time hopping with these guys. Yeah. Cause so. we knew she was, she, we knew she was going to become one of the new legends and, and traveling with them. We didn't know in what sense now we do in that she's traveling with them to bring to justice the killer of of our man. So, um, I thought it was great seeing Nate with abilities. Um, <laughs> and Ray training him, which was amazing, because, like, watching them play off of each other, I'm like, oh, my God, there's two of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about it that way. There are, there are two of them. Um, you know, but th- this episode, while... There was a focus on all the characters. The biggest focus of this episode, in my opinion, obviously, was... Here I am with that damn obviously again. I'll shake it. Uh, you know, was the interaction with Ray and Nate and Feudal Japan and, and the Samurais and everything. I think this was a very big episode for Ray and for Nate. And Nate, because he's now coming into his own as a hero. And Ray is now finding the form of hero that he really is because something yeah. really big does happen with Ray by the end of this episode. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love, and let's not even waste any time with this. Let's like get right into that. We lose the Adam suit. Yeah. This episode. And I'm very curious where they're going to go with this because Ray's pretty much an, he's a normal person without that suit. Yeah. Uh, and the suit is now gone. Uh, you know, the suit has, you know, thanks to Nate being citizen steel and, and, you know, Hitting it where it needed to be, the suit has exploded and is no more. So I don't know. I'm very, very curious where they're going to go with Ray's character at this point. But I'm also enjoying it because it's something that I said last week. Or not last week, last season when we were talking about this. Is that 
he's the goody goody. He's the boy scout. He's the comic relief. But I want to see more of his character. Like I said it last season, I was waiting for a point for Ray to lose his shit and be aggressive. And I think now we may have to see more of that because we don't know what's going to become of Ray at the yeah, and I have a feeling we're going to see a brand new Adam suit before the season end. I think we're going to see maybe a more streamlined one, a little less Iron Man-esque looking. Uh, I think we might start seeing the more traditional version of the Adam. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I think that's great. I, I think it's a really smart move if that's the direction they're going to go. But even if they don't, I really want to see what they're going to do with with Ray now. And it, they've got me really 100% intrigued. Yeah. I mean, especially considering the fact that we find out that the serum that, you know, was given to Nate, we didn't really know last week what Ray had done to the serum. We knew he had modified the serum, but we didn't know in what way. And Ray flat out admits it this week in that he did it to give himself the abilities that Nate now has. Mm -hmm. He was doing it to, he intentionally, that the abilities that Nate now has, those are the abilities Ray was planning on giving himself, uh, you know, to turn his skin as hard as the the dwarf star alloy that his suit has and and everything so we now know he intentionally did this to the serum Mm -hmm. so he is brilliant he could do this again if he really wanted to well they don't have the serum anymore but it's not to say that you know it's it's a good example of his brilliance he could come up with another way for him to become yet again and i think we're that's what we're going to see but i think we're going to see the atom that we've been seeing We'll just see again. It's it'll it'll be a new suit. I guarantee it before the end of the season. So yeah, I loved some of the the things that we got out of Rory this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when when Vixen holds when he's looking for a knife in the beginning, and Vixen holds a knife to his throat, and he's like, uh, "If this is because I used the last of the mayo, you're going about this the wrong way." Um, <laughs> You know, the Chuck uh, Norris references later on about how ninjas are real. and The obsession with ninjas in this episode just made this episode. Yes. It was so fantastic. So I'm, I absolutely adored it. I'm glad that because the love that I had for Snart last season, now that Snart is not there, is now kind of reflecting over to Rory. Uh, because I'm loving the things that we're getting out of him. I'm loving the interactions. He's not just a a brute strength character anymore. He has personality now. He's still the same way. He still has the same demeanor, but now he we're getting more of that. Con- I mean, we got some of that out of him last season, but it shines a little bit more now without Snart next to him. Yeah, it does. And I, it's it's nice to see them. Everybody is really coming into their own. Sarah's showing uh, is becoming such a badass in this show. She's turning out to be an awesome captain. Um, and I really like the fact that they're, they were really honest about going into this season that not every character is going to be have a heavy spotlight on them in every episode. Um, you know, the two halves of Firestorm very much in the background in this episode. And you know what? I'm happy they did that. They had their quick moment, but they stayed focused on the one story and it worked. And because of that, it made it a better episode because of it. Yeah. I will say I absolutely loved because it's straight out of a video game. I couldn't even tell you what video game it's from because it's literally been in a ton of them. But the final moment between Sarah and the samurai that she is fighting, the whole quick, you know, running at each other, one of them stops and that's the one that falls down, um, you know, because Sarah had the additional knife in her hand that she sliced him with. Like, I love that's such a typical Shogun moment. 
Oh and God, move. I know that. And that scene, like me, me and my wife both watched that moment. And like, oh, that was amazing. Yeah, because as people have, like we love a lot of old classic enemies, and one of our favorites has always been Kenshin, uh, dealing with samurai. So, but that sequence was perfect. That was that looked so visually stunning, and I love how much fun that they're having with the season. They're going really unique locations so far, and we're only a couple episodes in, and I'm really excited to see what the future is uh, in store for the show. I think we're going to go into some really awesome places. When we said we knew we saw zombies coming up from soldiers, we were all thinking World War One, World War Two. No, it's the Revolutionary yeah. War with zombies. It, it's no, it's the Civil War. Oh, is it okay? It, it is the Civil they War. They go okay. to the Civil War because it's the Confederate Army. That's right. That's zombies. right. That's the, so, so yeah, it's I'm gonna do so much fun stuff this season, and I they're they're proving why this show works is because it's just having fun. Yeah, the show is constantly having such a good time. It was something that we had mentioned last season, and that you know it, it took a little while for the show to find its footing, but by the end of the season, the show had made an identity all for itself, it, and it was proving and it was sticking to that, which worked. And the show this season, right from the start, just took right off from where it left off. It still had its own identity, and it's still proving that it still does. But while, like you mentioned, it's still having fun while it's doing it. And this truncated season, I think, is really helping. While I would love a full season of the show so that we get to see more of it, the truncated season really helps because it pushes that story along. Uh, and there's no time to diddle-daddle with this. They they go right into the story, and they keep it moving along with no no drag-out moments. Yeah, and it, uh, because of that, it just made it perfect. But uh, and I gotta ask you at this point too: What is your thoughts on Nate as a character? Does he do, do you enjoy him as much as I'm enjoying him? I'm doing. I am enjoying him, and I think one of the reasons why I'm enjoying him is because, and I hate making this comparison because they're two totally different characters. But one of my favorite characters from Marvel lore was always Colossus. He was always one of my favorite X Men. He's very similar to that in the way that they're portraying him in Legends. So that right there is one reason why I'm loving his character, but I'm I'm also loving the the exploratory aspects of this. This is all new to him. So we're getting to see whereas like Ray we've already been through his origin story. We've already been through Firestorm's origin story, uh Sarah Lance's origin story. We've already been through the origin stories of all these characters. I'm enjoying seeing the exploratory aspect of Nate finding out because this is all completely new to him. Literally, this happened last episode. So we're getting another origin story, but it's a lot of fun watching it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I love him just waking up, looking around. And he's like, okay, feudal Japan, uh, probably this era, such and such, and then just passes out. Yeah. And that was just such a great moment. Exactly. Um, I love the idea that they're really playing up him as a historian. Um, and because it, it's making for a new fun dynamic with the team, somebody that they didn't have. And it kind of is like, he, he's the embodiment of kind of Gideon. Uh, and I can't wait to see some more moments down the road when we finally get them, you know, back in, uh, back in sync with Captain Hunter when they finally find him. But I'm looking forward to seeing like maybe Nate just geeking out with Gideon, like little things like that. Like there's a lot to look forward to what may be in the future, in the future for Nate Haywood. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting uh, because according to. Yeah, I'm looking he uh, they have Arthur Darvel credited for every episode of this season. So that's keeping it a complete mystery because we don't know when he's coming back. 
if at all this season. Rip Hunter might not be back at all this season. I think he'll be at back. least until he'll the end. Be back. Yeah. So, but but I, it's great though. It's giving the it's giving the legends time to shine on their own, make their own mistakes, and not constantly be taking orders. And it's making it a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I do miss seeing Arthur Darbo in the show, but so far the new characters they've given us, um, it's making making all this work so well. Part of me almost wants to believe and wants to theorize that Rip is somewhere very very close. And he is intentionally doing this so that this team builds without him. Like, mm-hmm. he's doing this because this team needs to find their own identity on him. And he's very close, and he's been watching this whole time. I could see that. I could see that as a potential. Um, but yeah, it's a big wait and see. Or ultimately, the Legion could be the ones that have him, um, which is very possible. So yeah, that, that could work as well. So yeah, it's a big, it's a big wait and see. But you know what? The show is... For three episodes in, loving every second of it. Yeah, I am. I am as well. Uh, cool. So that's going to wrap things up for the Secret Origins portion. Uh, talking about all these shows this week. Uh, obviously, we want to know anything that you guys, any of opinions that you guys have on any of these shows as well. If you agree with us on anything that we talked about, uh, post on the Facebook page, facebook.com/slash DC Primetime. Because uh, you know, at this point, we interact with you guys as much as possibly can. We have some busy weeks sometimes and some busy nights. We don't always get to reply right away. And like I said, this season, I kind of, or this week, I kind of stayed away from the Facebook page for a little bit because I didn't get to watch all these episodes until Saturday. So, and I watched them all back and back because I had such a busy week. Um, but we tend to interact. So, any opinions that you guys obviously post them on the on the Facebook page. Um, but let's go into the news. Not a lot of news this week. Uh, but, Rob, what do you have for us as far as news is concerned for DC? Uh, not a ton to go on here this week at all. But uh, just a couple small things. And all this is over at uh, the Facebook page, as Ben mentioned. Um, so one of the things, really, really quickly, we did get a little bit of information from, uh, very specifically, Grant Gustin, as far as when Savitar will make his presence felt, and all he could say, and this was at Entertainment Weekly's Pop Fest uh, a couple days ago, and all he could say was, very soon, very, very, very soon. You will not have to wait long, I promise, no spoilers. So um, we know Savitar is going to be in the mix, so more than likely, uh, when we said the other week where we thought it was Savitar that was killing Ed Claris in the cell, it was very much not. Uh, that has been confirmed that was alchemy. So we've seen anything of Savitar quite yet. I'm, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm confused by that, though, because uh, there, I went back, did watch that episode again. There are no lightning flashes. It is just little puffs that you see. All right. So it's so I because I thought I was like, yeah, there was lightning. And then I'm going back and watching it a second time. No, very much not. So so uh, very curious to see on how this is going to go. But at the same time, though, too. Uh, with Savitar in the mix, I really hope that he is not the primary focus. I'd like Alchemy to be our big focus. We've had a lot of speedster villains so far. It's time to, uh, I think Flash needs to stretch his legs a little bit, but um, I'm still very curious to see where they're going to go with the God of Motion. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, and the next story we have real quick is just something very quick, and I'll read this verbatim. Uh, let's see. A couple months ago, we did find out that the... Director of Edge of Tomorrow, Doug Lyman, was going to be helming Justice League Dark, which is now just titled as the Dark Universe. Um, he did get a chance to talk to IGN not that long ago when they were talking about the future of that project is. And uh, this is what he did say, uh, did state in that interview, which was, yeah, I mean, first of all, I love the characters and I love Warner Brothers. I love producer Scott Rudden. And uh, it's, you know, 
I get to come in, do things that are unconventional. If people want conventional, they do not come to me. It's why doing, you know, uh, uh, Invisible was right up my alley, because how can you be conventional when there aren't even conventions that exist? So when Warner Brothers sort of wants to turn the comic book genre on their on their head, they call me. So it sounds like this is going to be a very different film. And I'm very curious on where he's going to take it. We still don't have an exact date on when this film is coming out. Um, so it's a big wait and see. And I really do hope that this does come into fruition because Gilbert Del Toro was attached to this. We're finally an animated film with the Justice League dark animated film coming out very, you know, fairly soon. I think it's only a couple months away, I believe, uh, December, possibly. Um, but yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with this. I hope this doesn't stall out again. And uh, I think he's the right character, uh, not character, right director to be helming this film. It's, so. it's, uh, there's a lot of potential for this. Yeah, there really, really is. It's, it's such fun characters like Swamp Thing, Zatanna, John Constantine, Deadman, Etrigan. I mean, those are fun, fun characters. Really looking forward to seeing what they do. Yeah. Um, Heading over into the TV universe, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there was some different concept designs that we saw out there for Jesse Quick, Ragman, and Hourman from artist Andy Poon. Uh, those shots are over at our Facebook page. You can check out the shots. There are, again, some really cool different takes on Jesse Quick. I think you should check out some of them um, being closer to what we saw on screen, all of them actually very close to what we saw on screen. Uh, but a couple different changes, a few different mask designs, and uh, some of them look pretty cool, but... Uh, some of the early uh, renditions of Our Man and Ragman are in that mix, too. And uh, definitely well worth checking out and taking a quick look. Um, going into Legends of Tomorrow news, seems like the wait for Jonah Hex will not be much longer. Episode 6, titled Outlaw Country, will see the return of the infamous Outlaw. So I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing this character coming back into the mix. He was one of uh, one of our favorites last season. For sure. Even though we didn't get a lot out of it, and we had the stupid time hunters that they were dealing with in that same episode. But uh, Jonah was fantastic, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with him again this season. So, um, as we mentioned earlier, as well as for our Supergirl news, we do know episode six as well of that show will be premiering uh, with James Olsen making his first debut as the Guardian uh, in the white and gray armor, which I think there was a little bit of blue, and I don't have the shots up of that, but uh, kind of curious to see how that goes. But after the motions that we did see this week of his new kind of role at CatCo, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to say kind of curious and excited now to see what we make of uh, Edison as a hero. Um, jumping over into Arrow, we also mentioned episode seven uh, will star uh, the uh, quick guest star appearance of Dolph R- Lundring. And the uh, the episode also Adrian Chase will be suiting up as Vigilante heading into the Flash world. We know episode six titled Shade. We will also be finding out that Wally will be getting information about being Kid Flash from Barry. So it sounds like Barry will be talking to Wally, Iris, and Joe about what did happen in the Flash universe a little bit more. So it sounds like we're not going to be too far off uh, as far as when Wally kind of comes into the mix. Because it sounds like his visions are becoming heavier and heavier. So it's a big wait and see. Um Heading over as well, back into Arrowverse again, episode five. We know we will be dealing with the human target, as we mentioned a couple weeks back. Um, So we know that will be our first look at Christopher Chance. And heading into the movie universe one more time. It looks like a new trailer has been classified under Woman Star Gal Gadot. Uh, More than likely, this will be attached to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. 
um, if not maybe a little bit sooner. So uh, expect that very, very soon. I would say probably before the end of November. Well, ha- so if, it's, whole- if it's Fantastic Beasts, it would have to be because that's, uh, I think, only like two weeks out. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's that close already. So, yeah, um, I guess you're right. So uh, I would assume, yeah, more than likely Fantastic Beasts is where that will be attached. So I would assume that will appear online a couple days before. And uh, the last thing we have here is a little bit of more discussion from Jared Ernst about his role as Alfred in the Justice League film coming up. And him basically saying, you know, there is going to be a lot more Alfred for me in the Batman film. But um, Ben did say, you know, obviously because you're not getting a chance to really shine with Jesse when you have seven major leads. Uh, he's like, you know, I'm just the butler to one of them. He's like, it's very clear. I will be not dominating that film. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing him reprise that role because we... I think we both agree that Jeremy Irons and uh, Ben Affleck were definitely the highlights to uh, Batman v Superman oh, as well as, yeah, as Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. So really looking forward to the fact that we do get to step back into these characters when we did see uh, Affleck back into the mix really quickly in Suicide Squad. It does make you excited that he is the portraying this character. So uh, as Justice League gets closer and closer, I'm, uh, I'm getting more and more excited, but still tempering expectations. Yeah, and, so. and that's exactly what I'm doing, too, because, I mean, the trailers for Batman v Superman, even going back to Man of Steel, I thought the trailer for Man of Steel was like was had me interested. And then I was disappointed by the movie Batman v Superman. I was really excited for the film and I ended up disappointed. So I'm not going by trailers anymore on this. I'm I'm holding off judgment until I actually go to see the movie. But that doesn't mean yeah. I can't anticipate it slightly by the trailer because I liked the first trailer they already released from Justice League. But I can't go by trailers at this point because the last two times I have with these films, they've kind of disappointed me. Yeah, I mean, it looks fun. Uh, and you and me both did walk away really enjoying Suicide Squad. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see uh, if they can keep the positive momentum going. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait and see. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for news. Uh, yeah, so it's just the recommendation. I think you and me are sharing the recommendation. So if you'd like to take that. Yeah, we're going to share recommendation for this week. This is something I actually already posted on the Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, there's a new short that came out recently from director Jeff Cassidy. Uh, it's only about 15 minutes long. It's titled Sidekicks, and it stars um, – sorry, I'm trying to get to the uh, to the page. But uh, Joss Dallas, um, for who you might know as Prince Charming from Once Upon a Time, uh, Emily Beck Richards, who obviously we all know as Felicity, and Tom Cavanaugh, who we all love, as well as Harrison Wells. Uh, I watched this short. It's Again, it's only 15 minutes long, but it is so well done. Uh, I don't want to tell you what the storyline is because it, it gives it away. It's It's very heartfelt. It's just a lot of fun to watch. So our recommendation this week is uh, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Look for the post on Sidekicks or on Sidekick or just go to YouTube and, um, you know, search Sidekick 2016. It'll come up. Uh, It's a fantastic short. So our recommendation this week is to go and and check that out. So uh, but I think. That's going to wrap it up for this week's issue of DC Primetime. Of course, our cheap plugs before we get out of here. Uh, once again, from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, uh, nextlevelradioonline.com. Follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. And once again, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash next level uh, or facebook.com slash DC Primetime. If you want to email me personally, you can reach me at ben at nextlevelradioonline.com. 
for me, uh, you can always find me at Caffeine Crew, which is now uh, has its new home over at Next Level Radio. Um, I think, Ben, you've already created the feed, so the episodes are starting to go up, yes. I believe. Yes, I'm in the process um, of adding – of um, uh, gradually adding your backlog onto uh, – Onto the RS into the RSS feed, so they'll they'll keep popping up multiple. Uh, I'm hoping to get even more up tonight. So I'm hoping by November first, if not before, okay. uh, everything, including your most recent Halloween ep- uh, episode, will up online. Awesome. So yeah, definitely uh, keep your eye on that. So probably within the week, you'll be able to start checking out the Caffeine Crew cast of pods over in its new home at NextLevelRadioOnline.com. And uh, you know. Uh, if you get a second, we will repost links to uh, our Extra Life um, donation portals. Uh, I'll make sure I get Ben's back up there. But we will be playing next weekend, so that's from Friday night. We will be all up, uh, all I think 17 or 18 of us, meeting up around 10 o'clock at night. And at midnight, game time begins. We will be going until... Uh, I would assume <laughs> no later than midnight the following day. I or would assume at least, that'll probably stretch. At least midnight yeah, the following at least, day. At least midnight. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we'll probably be going beyond that. But keep your eye out because me and Ben will probably do a couple quick videos, I would assume, um, oh, yeah, well, during that on, on the page. So you guys can keep tabs of us slowly losing our minds from sleep deprivation <laughs> as we play. And, uh, I'm very curious, too, because Ben and uh, one of the other guys that's on our uh, other show uh, went toe-to-toe in the finals last year. I got knocked out of the semifinals, so it was the three of us at the at the bitter end there, and uh, you came in second, so let's see how you do this year. Oh, and he so, wants to make some side bets this year, too. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure. We're, so. we're going to see. Keep in mind, too, when we say side bets, all proceeds of everything from the anything that you donate on the link – goes uh goes right to right directly to Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania and any side bets that we make and anything that we put in for the tournaments uh, it just started thunderstorming where I am so it's kind of beaten down if you hear that in the background uh, but any side bets that we do we don't pocket any of the cash the cash that we earn from side bets and anything just gets donated right back to the charity in our name so we don't keep any money from this we don't make any money off of this all proceeds go directly to Children's Hospital Yep. So yeah, uh, wish us luck next week and uh, a very special happy Halloween, everybody, because Halloween is tomorrow. So most of you will be here listening to that episode then. So and uh, remember the next episode, high chance it's not going to come out until the next Monday night. Yes, um, because me and Ben will need sleep. So but if we can get it to you sooner, we will do our best. But I would definitely say expect it Monday night. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'll say it for a change this time. Special thanks to George uh, George Shaw for providing the music that we use for the opening and closing of this podcast. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap things up for this week. Once again, we thank you guys for listening and spending some of your time with us every week as we do. Keep an eye on the pages. Uh, make sure you post. Make sure you share your opinions, and we will share our opinions right back. But until next week, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.